Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Mr. Ankit Ratan, co-founder of uh, Sainzi, a digital trust system. Ankit is a serial entrepreneur and a graduate of IIT Delhi. Ankit was featured in Forbes 30 under 30 along with his co-founders back in 2017. Uh, hi Ankit, uh, welcome to ELI. Yeah, hi, Prinjan, uh, and uh, thank you for hampering me in Eli um, and, you know, being on a Saturday afternoon accommodating me. Uh, Ankit, I would request you to uh, start by introducing yourself to our audience, please. Okay, yeah, so I think you gave a brief intro about me. So, yes, I passed out of uh, IIT Delhi in 2011. And uh, then I joined a job just after college, uh, which was into data analytics. After uh, two years in that job, I kind of realized that somehow a job, which was like any other corporate job was not fit for me. And uh, while I had not finalized that I wanted to be an entrepreneur or run a business, but at least I wanted to experiment and see if I like it. And uh, also other things, right? Like even other things like IAS and everything I wanted to kind of see whether, I mean, it will make sense for me, but I was hundred percent sure that a corporate job will not, not make sense for me. So I think uh, in 2013, four of us from there kind of, uh, started uh, a company called Crosslink in 2013, like two years roughly after after me joining. And uh, that is how I first got exposed to my first experience in entrepreneurship. And uh, we ran that company for two years. Uh, I think uh, also actually, in fact, uh, I think the company ran for more years. I kind of moved out, out of two, after two years. Uh, in that two years frame, I think we did well. We were able to get some of the top customers in India, like Axis, Benetton, Maersk as customers. And we had a decent revenue. We were on track, but I think, uh, there were certain challenges in the product. I think we were not being able to scale as a product. We were becoming very much, uh, more like it services business than, than product business. And, uh, hence I felt that that was not the right fit for me or I would not enjoy it as much as creating a product based business. And that is why I kind of uh, started looking out for other opportunities where I could, you know, do product based business in some ways. And uh, that is how Sciency came about, uh, you know, uh, my brother and I, who are the, who were the, let's say the first two founders and then Ankuru joined us. We used to kind of discuss about, uh, compliance risk and legal being a huge pain uh, in India at least and uh, it was taking too much time from founders and from people in the industry without giving them any value and that is how we came across Sciency. we said you know technology today can solve almost everything and you have accounting uh, which is technology based you have marketing which is technology based why is legal and compliance still so poor in terms of technology. And that is how we started building Sciency. Uh, in fact, our first tagline of Sciency was signing made easy and hence the name is Sciency. Uh, so that is how we started. And of course today, uh, we 
target a very different customer audience which is large financial services uh, enterprises like banks uh, but at our core i think what we have always wanted to do is solve the compliance legal and compliance issues for an organization which are not core to their business and uh, let them focus on their core business okay interesting ankit uh, now is my next question uh, yeah. tell us in in a very layman's language what is the problem statement uh, you are solving uh, through your venture yeah i think the problem we are solving is uh, that in financial services there is this interesting anomaly that uh, when you actually order uh, something on amazon the product is actually physical it's transported you to you in a physical truck still the experience of amazon to you as a consumer is that everything is digital and it's such a good digital experience versus a financial services a bank the product is actually totally digital i mean money is a theoretical concept so it's digital by definition and you can transfer money from one person to another completely digitally in most geographies not only in india still your experience with the bank financial services there's so much hassle you don't feel that you are working with a digital company like netflix or amazon you kind of feel that i'm not uh, you know have this huge challenge uh why is this anomaly so the anomaly is not just because there is great ui ux by amazon in fact if you think about it amazon probably doesn't have the best ui ux actually their website actually may not be that good the reason is because when you offer uh, you order a coffee mug within 5 minutes you know that will reach your doorstep on thursday between 9 and 11 am uh and if you think of how this would have happened without let's say amazon uh somebody let's say you would have placed an order that organization would have said let me check to my local go down if it is there i will give it to you if it's not there i and i will give it to you today if it's not there i will check state go down then he will check state go down after one hour he'll call you and say no actually it was not there in state go down so it will be in central go down but i can't tell you because there are so many reasons why it doesn't come uh imagine amazon doesn't do that right it exactly tells you when it's coming because it has automated all of this operations and that is what sinzy is doing for financial services it is automating their operational decision making so that when you interact with a financial services organization you feel it is as digital as a amazon and netflix when you order a product when you choose a product within seconds within minutes you get an answer that yes you have got this product and uh, uh, you know more like amazon and the reason we are able to do it is because our uh, core ai engine is able to understand documents read documents understand what is fraud what is not fraud take the decision that human chains would have taken and uh, rather than going it to a operations uh, manual process it, it the answer is in a way uh, decided by a ai ai engine risk engine and which hence allows you to get a product within minutes and not days and weeks okay ankit uh, the industry you are operating in it's uh, targeting the core banking segment and the industry is uh, very much regulated as well as a uh, lot of internal complications are there having said that i would uh, like to know uh, how did you start uh, getting customers which how did you get your first customer uh, uh, in fact 
Yeah, I think uh, uh, getting a first customer, I think, is of course the hardest. Um, I think uh, I will tell about both startups. Like my first startup, our first customer was basically someone we knew. He really knew us well, so he trusted us at a personal level, and then he trusted us to do a good job without having ever seen the product or any other customer having used our product. In Sinzi, I think the first customer was very similar, but that was not the use case we scaled. The first bank that we were able to get, I think we got because uh, in 2016, mid we had got an award from RBI. That award in some ways, uh, you know, made uh, banks feel there is some sense of, uh, uh, you can say, uh, value in the product, some sense of validation of the product and which allowed us to get our first customer. So, I mean, for the audience, especially, I think getting a first customer, uh, there is no specific science or reason. I think it will, it will come due to luck. Like for example, this RBI award, it's like a good luck that we got award or some personal person who trusts you personally. Okay, Ankit, I'm, I'm, uh, I was uh, going through your website. I, I saw the uh, feature of RBA, RBA awards. Uh, I'm uh, curious to know what, what was it uh, that helped you to get this award? Uh, what was different about your product? Is it a totally new concept or were there any competitors in the industry or how was it? Yeah, I think when we presented, I think for the regulator and the banks who were there in that room. Uh, and there were, of course, who's who of banking, like, like the largest private banks, largest public sector banks. I think at least from that view, I think we had uh, everyone in banking in that room and, and for them it was a new concept or at least it was something that they may have been thinking, but they never had visualized. And even when we won the award, lot of bankers told the judges that, you know, while you're giving them the award, but, uh, you know, this is too futuristic and it's not practical to apply it today. And the product was basically video KYC, which is of course now RBI has themselves come up with a regulation. Everyone is going live with it. So even at that time, I think, uh, that was our product, which, uh, kind of we showed to RBI and that was that was something at that stage a lot of people felt was futuristic today of course it has become real and uh, you know it is being used by any and every organization okay Ankit uh, here I'll, I'll come to some of the theoretical questions uh, that the industry is revolving around uh, first question is uh, what so many things are happening in the financial industry the fintech industry uh, open banks are coming up and then uh, um, there is blockchain and uh, finally uh, there are platforms like cred which are totally new concepts so i uh, would like to hear your thoughts on uh, what are the next few things that we are gonna see in the next uh, five to ten years and which of the existing trends are growing so fast that it, that will come become mainstream in the next five years yeah i mean uh... So of course I may be hundred percent wrong on most of the things I say, but I mean, uh, my view is based on whatever I've gathered. So I think one thing to understand, at least like so you said two, three different things. So 
one you said neo bank the second you said blockchain and the third you said credit right which is a different model so i think let let's address blockchain first so i think on blockchain i think the world has kind of you know got to a decision i think that decision is that there is value in uh decentralized networks uh whether it can be because you want to be outside the system or you want to have something very much efficient less regulated outside the system uh for whatever reason there is some value in decentralized finance but the value of blockchain to a traditional organization to a bank internally has not been validated is i mean i don't know of a single organization across the world that's using blockchain internally to bring efficiency so i think in some ways we can uh, kind of uh, uh, conclude that decentralized finance like bitcoin is a great example of decentralized finance and there are other examples also evolving i think blockchain as a way of decentralized finance is well established is growing and will continue to grow uh, blockchain as a way to bring efficiency within an organization is still uh, very very questionable still enough validations have not happened across the world uh on uh, neo bank uh i think uh if you look at banking right uh, unlike amazon see amazon there was a problem i wanted something uh, which was let's say uh, you know uh, i i'll have to go to the market bring it home and uh, e-commerce kind of solved it that sitting at home you can get this product and also get many products at the same place so on neo bank i at least personally struggle in defining what the problem they are solving um because if you are saying my problem i am solving is that you know bank my hdfc bank actually gives me a horrible experience at the call center which makes me wait 10 minutes before i can get a guy i mean sure i mean that is a problem but uh i mean i don't understand why it is a banking problem per se right i may face the same issue with ongc so i am at least not clear even today that what at least in india what is the problem uh you know uh, new bank as a category solve which the banks are not solving like e-commerce was doing something different i am not clear what new banking is doing different of course there can be new banks right like for example kotak it 2000 like within 20 years it has become one of the top four banks rbl idfc all of them are trying to become genuinely good large banks so i am not clear maybe the the category name of neo bank is misplaced maybe it needs to be a better category but at least i am not clear what problem are they truly solving and at least i have not uh, hence built any whether pro or con on the on the sector industry uh cred i think is interesting i think cred is uh maybe it's not solving a problem but it is uh it has a genuine user scenario which is that people would want to make more points or would want to get more benefits for something they anyways were going to do so which is not a painful you know uh, problem scenario which needs to be solved but is definitely something which is a valid scenario people would want to you know do it i think the only uh challenge i would have with cred uh, would be that how do they make eventually how do they make money and i think once that gets clarified because 
the the beauty or the pain of financial services is that you need to be uh, of the lending side of financial services is that you need to be right 98% of the times to make money and so a lot of people focus from coming from consumer tech focus on ui and ux uh, which is great but i think they have to also keep in mind that eventually you will need to build a business which can be right 98% of the times when giving out a loan which i feel lot of these models will need to those that reality check will need to come okay ankit uh, i'll i'll dive deep into uh, the top popular topic uh, blockchain um yeah. so uh if i if if you think uh, uh or if you observe close enough you'll see that blockchain was there it's not a new concept in fact uh, most of the banks are already doing the blockchain uh, techniques uh in fact blockchain is everywhere you go to uh, you apply for a new job opportunity uh, you your employer verifies your past employment credentials you have all sort of uh, footprints uh, left uh, all over the place and that that is blockchain um uh what i am curious to know about this is it people are uh, pe- are people rallying uh, uh, for blockchain or is it they want uh, a free market or free system that is not manipulated by anyone uh, for, for example entities like rbi or uh, fed uh, if that is the case then what is the world we are moving into if there are no regulators in place uh, for uh, money what kind of world we are uh, getting into and how soon uh, can we see a different world yeah no i think the point you are making is correct that i mean w- whatever you are trying to say will get solved by blockchain is already being solved so the point you made is correct that people are already doing most of these things so why you why should you apply blockchain or why should you apply something new let's not call it blockchain for a second why should you apply something new to solve a problem that's already being solved unless you unless you can tell me that i am solving the problem better or i am solving a problem which is unsolved so i 100% agree there that saying that i will use blockchain is meaningless you need to say that this is a solution and which internally is using blockchain so that part i completely agree that uh, un- uh, till some of these products don't uh, you know uh, stop saying blockchain so i think when blockchain will get successful is when you stop using the term so like bitcoin right it inherently uses blockchain but i talk about bitcoin as a currency or investor and hence it makes sense right because you're no longer talking about the technology so that part i uh, completely agree with you on the second part about where you say a regulator less finance right so i think yes i think see if if it's about regulated finance right if it is about regulated finance then it means as you correctly said that the current system is equivalent to blockchain because there is a regulator there is a npci network i can transfer money digitally to one person to another there is one validator in some ways which is npci which is validating all the ledger so um, and it's a trusted ledger like npci is the equivalent of let's say you know multiple nodes you have maybe single node but he is a trusted party so in some ways the problem that you know uh, let's say a blockchain infra was going to solve is solved uh the only problem that is not solved is you still have a centralized regulator or a centralized validator so 
I think you're right. Like I think I personally feel if I have to bet on it, I would only bet on blockchain use cases which are for decentralized finance, because there I think it makes sense. In centralized finance, I don't really understand what other problem is blockchain solving, which is not solved, as you correctly said. And, and hence, yes, I think crypto uh, enthusiasts are also at the same time asking for a regulator less world that I think that is the ask, whether they're saying it or not saying it, that is what they're demanding. And uh, what can be the implications? Uh, the, the way I see it, the world is anyway moving towards blockchain every day, more and more people are buying, uh, buying bit currency or uh, any other uh, blockchain currencies. So what can be the implication if we don't have a regulator, we don't have Fed or we don't have RBI, what can be the implications? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I think enough people have. So I think the first first question is that eventually the regulator uh, like RBI, right? RBI or Fed, eventually what is their biggest power? Like a lot of people discuss money laundering, but I don't think that's the bigger biggest power. I think the biggest power is currency. The ability to print currency or not print currency is the biggest power far beyond all this talk about money laundering and, and, you know, keeping dirty money. Up. So even this talk of anti-money laundering in some ways is not real because I mean, the only people you're not able to catch is small time drug traders or small time, uh, you know, uh, sex trafficking, uh, guys, but really large sums of money is anyways traffic through the current system only. So I think, uh, the real, I think the real reason why everyone fights crypto is not because of this money laundering angle. It's because of this absolute power of printing currency. If you take away that power from RBI, right? So if imagine that in India, uh, currency is controlled by Bitcoin, right? In then there can be economy which is totally independent of RBI and hence independent of the sovereign government of that country. Exactly. So, Currency is not just a tool for RBI to regulate the market. It's a tool for the sovereign to regulate and control the economy, control the country, etc. So I think the real fight is about sovereignty, not money laundering, which is often people say dirty money will come in all of that. I think that's not the real fight. I think the real fight is of sovereignty of US dollar still being the reserve currency. Uh, if crypto comes in that, that, you know, that is up for grabs. So, I think the fight is much, much bigger than, than this, uh, you know, uh, unregulated uh, money laundering issue. Okay. That, that brings me to a very interesting uh, possibility. Will governments uh, exist uh, once uh, Bitcoin is everywhere and everybody is using Bitcoin? Will there be any role of governments? No, I see. I, that is why I'm not. So I don't believe in the worldview where uh, sovereign currency will be replaced by uh, crypto. See, because sovereigns are, see, we are now post civilization, right? Civilizations have got created and we are saying, okay, civilizations, there is this agreement, there is this law, etc., etc. But creation of nation is about power, right? About absolute power. And it has nothing to do with, I mean, finance. It has to do with wars, gunships, bullets, you know, who, who has, so I think. Crypto cannot overturn US, right? 
US is US because of the the fact that they have the largest army in the world, and when they want and where they want, they can literally, you know, uh, finish any country they want, and that is why they are powerful. The reason why that's not said, why it's not obvious, is because you're in post-civilized world where civilization is there. You feel there are agreements, but if it comes to it, uh, the time when crypto truly threatens sovereign. is when the sovereign will act as a nation uh, with power and will crush it through absolute power so i don't believe in this view of crypto will ever be able to challenge because i think finance is post civilization concept like there is a civilization and now you have currency etc etc so but the civil creation of nations happens through violence so i don't think crypto can end that and but i do believe there will be two parallel worlds so i think there will be a black market world and there will be a white market world and uh, which even is there today right hawala and all and the hawala i think will get truly digitized using de- decentralized finance so digitization of hawala will happen i think the sovereign will actually in fact create their own crypto and uh, sovereign crypto will become uh, you know the the white market crypto hmm i think that is already happening uh, with uh, china testing their currency and you uh, know even us government is taking help from facebook uh, i'm hearing that uh, anyway uh, uh, so uh, the point i am uh, trying to make here these are very interesting and deep concepts and uh, if anybody watching who wants to become become a fintech entrepreneur needs to understand these concepts to the depth unless, uh, unless they do it they will not uh, ace the industry uh, moving on um, we will now discuss uh, about uh, your journey as entrepreneur uh, and we are very short of time um, i i'd like to start with how did you uh, find your co-founders and uh, how did you all uh, uh, you know uh, uh, visualize the uh, uh, thing you are trying to build uh, and how did you uh, you know come together to a conclusion that this is something uh, we are going to do yeah i think uh, for me one of the co-founders was my brother so it was easy part but uh, i think we were we didn't start a company actually first we were actually trying to do a side product we were trying to say can we build this and if we build it on the side we'll you know sell it to few companies and if something goes then we'll see so it was like a side hustle uh with me and my brother and that is how kind of we both started when it got started getting real and we said okay something can be done about this uh we had some backers some stuff like that that is when we you know kind of seek the third co-founder ankur who had actually worked with me in previous companies in turn um and he we got him as cto so i think that is uh, how we met uh, as you know the three co-founders and uh, even in my previous company all four of us were working in the same company and were the best of friends in that company so i think generally co-founder will always come from your network i think very rare you get co-founders outside your network okay uh, ankit uh, tell us uh, uh, once you had found your co-founders what are the things you did first um, i mean uh, i am trying to understand what is the chain of events that happens uh, initially answer it in a very short way yeah i think i mean of course basically you form the company you look for some funding to start off with 
uh, I think that first funding is very important because it lets you at least breathe, right? At least take an Uber versus taking a bus, stuff like that. So I think whenever you start, uh, like don't try and fall in this trap of raising money, but at least if you don't have money, try and raise enough to breathe. Don't run without breath or I mean, you'll get tired very, very quickly. Okay. Uh, what are the challenges you have faced uh, so far uh, while building and growing this venture? Yeah, I think number one challenge, I think when you start, especially if, if uh, like for uh, almost a year, I think we, we were running bootstrap. So of course, one is life is really difficult, but more importantly, hiring talent is impossible. And so, I mean, you are getting interest demand, but you can't execute because you don't have talent. So I think that was number one challenge. And as we started raising money, we did hire people, but we were working with very, very large enterprises. So they were used to working with like an Infosys of, you know, there's a 15 people team just talking to this customer. And we were a total team of five uh, across four or five customers. So I think enterprise software, I think is even harder uh, because of this, this nature that the customer wants intelligence. So I think the biggest challenge was trying to sell to these customers and literally we sold them. I mean, basically you end up at their door 50 times and 58 times they'll say, okay, fine. I mean, okay, let, let me just trust you because you have, you know, come to my door 50 times. So I think that thing you have to do, I mean, there's nothing cool about B2B startups in the first three years. You have to really, really, I mean, hustle your way inside. Uh, what is your vision uh, with this venture? Where you want to take it uh, finally? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we are solving an important problem for traditional financial services. Uh, and as they try and uh, move from, let's say, being a bank to becoming more like consumer tech company, like a Facebook, I think they need to unlock a lot of things, uh, especially on the tech infra side. So they need to completely... Uh, change their current uh, traditional product-based software, very, very traditional database software to a core AI-enabled software, which like Facebook is, you know, capturing data real-time, giving recommendations real-time. Uh, and this transition is not easy. It's not easy from a software point of view. It's not easy from people point of view. So I think, of course, people point of view, we won't do. But I think the, the goal of Sciency is to help over that next five, seven years banks to transition and I think this is the second major wave after core banking changes uh, in the 80s and the 90s and uh, we want to lead that wave uh, from financial services point of view. Okay. Ankit, uh, this is my last question to you. Uh, tell us who all are watching the, this video, tell us how they can start their journey as entrepreneurs, how they can become founders or co-founders. Yeah, I think uh, number one is that you start however small you start, but please start and you don't need to leave your job. If you are in a job or if you're in college, you don't need to like quit college or leave a job. You can actually start on the side first, uh, like do some MVP, do some side concept that you trust, uh, get some learning on that. Um, and, but once you're ready, like don't wait for like, getting a large, great team in place or great funding in place. I think once you have done enough to kind of give yourself the confidence, then please start. Like there's no, if at all, treat it like two years of MBA. 
that you would have paid i mean 60 lakhs to take do an mba like think that you know you are just kind of doing that uh, but at much lesser price and there is a possible outcome that you may own a billion dollar million dollar company so think of it like that like think of it like an experience and uh, don't fear the fact that it will fail 95% of startups will fail founders who do not fail are lucky more than they are good right so it's luck more than capability that uh, you know um, for the first time founder at least which which matters so don't worry like failure is not uh, a failure on you it, it, it is more luck more than anything else uh, you know which will which will cause your failure okay on that note uh, i'll have to close this session there were multiple things multiple questions coming to my mind but unfortunately we are up with time uh, i would like to thank you ankit for taking out time and joining this session uh, it was a great pleasure to host you uh, uh, and our best wishes to science yeah thank you uh, same here uh, good good to come and uh, chat with you and very interesting questions so i truly also enjoyed the discussion thank you uh, viewers you can follow and connect with ankit on linkedin by searching for ankit ratan also do visit their website on sainji.com uh, that is it for today's episode we will be back with another exciting entrepreneur stay tuned to eli